0: Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse.
1: Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Stephen from Westlake Village, and the title of Stephen's story is Meaningful Coincidences. Uh, Stephen, I thank you so much for joining us on Jesse Jameson and Friends. I'm really looking forward to this story, and I think the audience will really be happy with the guests that I was able to get on today's show. So, Stephen, with that, the floor
2: is yours. Jesse, thank you for having me. Uh, I love talking about synchronicity. I first learned about it in the mid 1990s. Okay. And once I learned about it, it's been such an an integral part of my life that it's hard for me to get through a a day without observing this phenomenon.
1: And when this phenomenon, what is synchronicity for my uh, audience and even for myself maybe that aren't familiar with synchronicity?
2: So uh, as you indicated in terms of the title of the show, uh, Carl Jung, a uh, wonderful psychologist, actually coined the term in the early 1990s. So he came up with the notion of synchronicity. As far as I know, it didn't exist before he gave it that name. And he describes it as a meaningful coincidence. And he explains that those of us from the West, we tend to think the coincidences are random but he said, from his perspective and an Eastern perspective, there are two categories of, of uh, synchronicities uh, or coincidences those that are, in fact, random and those that are meaningful. And they're not. Yeah. Maybe a little example
1: of what a random one would be compared to maybe a meaningful one.
2: Well, I think the random ones. Um, They tend to be um, events that uh, get our attention as being unusual and interesting, but they may or may not have deep meaning for us in terms of our lives. So Carl Jung says that the way the universe talks to us is through these meaningful coincidences. And... So uh, once I learned about this concept, I began to look for them. And I realized that they are really all around us, almost like gravity. It's like a a fundamental force of the universe that's here, but somebody had to point me in the right direction for me to understand the patterns. So uh, I was so taken with this that a few years ago, I, wrote, I co-wrote a book called the, uh, the Empowering Leader, and I included a bonus chapter in that book on synchronicity to help share synchronistic stories and patterns that help people uh, recognize that this is something that's actually occurring in our lives. Um, so I thought I would tell a story to illustrate just how powerful this idea is. Um, and this story uh, started uh, 22 years ago in 2009. Well, wait, 20, 22 years ago would be 1999. So 2009, 12 years ago? Okay. So the, actually, this would have been 12 years ago. Thanks for the correction. Okay. Okay. So 12 years ago, uh, I was invited to um, give a guest lecture in a doctoral seminar at Duquesne University. And I usually start the seminar off with a question. How is it that I came to be here? And I tell the the, the students, I don't mean I took a plane, I got in a cab and somebody opened the door and showed me the room. What were the circumstances that led me to be here today. And I said, the irony of me asking this question is that your professor set something in motion 30 years ago that led me to be here today. And so I said, let's go back 30 years. And at that time, I was a superintendent of schools. The person who was invi- had invited me the lecture is currently a dean of education at duquesne university in charge of their doctoral programs and he invited me to meet with his students on the last day of the last class they were ever going to have and uh, gave me a wonderful introduction he said i've taught you a lot about leadership he said i've invited my mentor steve Sokolo here today and then he just sat down and you know gave me the class for the day. Right. Which was just fabulous. And so I said, well, here's where it all began. Jim, Jim's daughter was in kindergarten. And another fellow classmate of hers in the same kindergarten class, her father was a guy by the name of Paul Houston. And at the time, Paul was the superintendent of Princeton. Um, school district in New Jersey. Jim said, Steve, you and Paul have to meet. You guys are like cut from the same mold, and I'm going to have you over for a barbecue so you can meet each other. So Jim arranged for me to meet Paul Houston, and we did like each other. I went to visit him in his school district. We swapped some stories, and I thought that was that. How little did I know it was only the beginning. Then what happened is when the universe wants to get your attention, it sends something your way more than once. So in my case, I was applying for other superintendencies and I kept coming in second or third. And I said to a buddy of mine, I keep being the runner-up, not getting the top spot." And he said, "'Why do you think that's the case?' I said, "'I don't think I have a good enough pedigree.'" I said, "'I went to a good university, Temple University, I even taught there.'" I said, "'But I didn't go to Harvard, or Stanford, or Yale, or some of the better known universities, and a lot of the people I'm competing against got their degrees from those, those universities.'" So my buddy said, hmm, maybe you should go to Harvard, see if they have some summer program. At least you could put Harvard on your resume. That was the first synchronistic message. Go to Harvard in the summer. But I just tucked it away. I didn't know that I should act on that. I just thought, well, that's something to consider. So now the universe wanted to get my attention further. Shortly thereafter, my high school principal came to me and said, they have a seminar at Harvard, an invitational seminar for superintendents. He said, I went to the invitational seminar for principals, and I met the people involved in the superintendent seminar. He said, they're phenomenal. He said, you will love them, and they will love you. I can make a phone call, and I can make sure you get an invitation. So that's, part, so that's part two, right? That's I'm part saying, two. Right. So he now offers to make a phone call for me. I said, let me think about it. So now the universe says to itself, all right, we really need to get Steve's attention because he's not moving on this. Next thing I know, I get a phone call from a general. And my secretary says, General so-and-so is on the line. It's not every day you get called by a general. Right. She puts the call through and the general said, your name has come to my attention. And we're running a VIP tour for mayors and superintendents throughout the country. Uh, We want to take you to the Air Force Academy and to NORAD for several days, you know, on the government's dime. And I would like to nominate you. I said, great. (laughs) <laughs> where, where do I show up? So I went to uh, an Air Force base and got on a plane. Next thing I know, I'm on my, on my way to Colorado and I'm sitting next to somebody and we're having an interesting conversation about education and our lives. And he said to me, do you know about the Harvard superintendent seminar? And I said, as a matter of fact, I do. He said, you are such a fit for that seminar, he said, you really need to go there. So I said to myself, all right, three times, I'm getting the same message. I meet this guy on the plane, my high school principal, one of my buddies, I make the call. And I wind up getting an invitation to the seminar at Harvard. Walk into the room, first day of the seminar, And who is there as the co-host of the seminar? Paul Houston, who I had met years years ago because my assistant superintendent thought that we should meet. I had no idea he was um, associated with this seminar. In fact, he was the co-host. And now I realize that the purpose of all of this was to get the two of us together in that environment. We then spent 15 years talking to one another about things we were interested in. They frequently had mystical themes. They dealt with uh, underlying principles of leadership. We tended to be interested in things that were a little different than um, most
1: of our colleagues. Even I find this fascinating, so I haven't interrupted you, and it's not because you know I have nothing to say. it's because honestly, I, I love how you tell the story right from the beginning, and I'm already starting to get I, I want to say pre-chills, like I could potentially get chills out of this. We live in a world where there's you know what seven billion people plus people, right? Yes, exactly. Some people would hear what you just said and say, oh, that's a small world. You ran into the same guy. That that doesn't really happen, right? And you get these three coincidences where all of a sudden you're getting attacked by these Harvard messages, right? Right. And then, you know, a guy like me, I, you know, I believe in fate, right? That sometimes mm-hmm. there are meaningful coincidences, so to speak. So I just find it fascinating. So that's not the end of the story, obviously. We've got about five minutes before break. But all of a sudden, I assume when you're going to Harvard, even though you're, like you said, a professor at Temple or a teacher at Temple, right? And all of a sudden, you know, I'd imagine there's some butterflies, but what great way to feel at home than to notice you're
2: amongst friends. For sure. And, uh, but I was particularly attracted to Paul because he had an extraordinary mind. And after we would listen to these wonderful professors, he would draw connections from uh, that other people wouldn't see. And until he would, he, he would draw the connection and I began to say to myself, this guy is really brilliant and I wanna spend time with him. We were swapping stories back and forth and back and forth uh, and really getting to know one another and like one another. Then one night out of the blue uh, and I do something called Reiki, which is a form of uh, energy transfer, of healing energy. And I would, be, I would give him Reiki as a way of regenerating his energy field and because um, he was kind of depleted. He was running an organization of 14,000 people, and everybody always wanted a little you know, piece of him. Well, one night, out of the blue, he said to me, Steve, I've been thinking about writing a book about the integration of spirituality and leadership. Would you like to co-author that with me? And for the first time in my life, my heart answered before my head could even think about what the implications of that might be. And what did you tell him? I said, yes. (laughs) And so then... Yeah, you know, I've learned since then that Paul is like a master delegator. So after he extended the invitation, he said, "Why don't you put some ideas down on paper about what you think we should include in the book and then you know, we'll write it." So my mind was on fire. It was the last night of the seminar. I asked my wife if she would take notes. And I've read stories about people, about authors, who go into some type of state of consciousness where they tap into their characters, and that's how they they get the dialogue, because the characters are actually talking to them from some other state of consciousness. Well, it was like that for me. I said to my wife, I've got a topic. And as soon as she'd write it down, I'd say, here are 10 subtopics. Are you ready for the next one? And I found that over a six-hour period, I dictated 19 pages of notes with no thought whatsoever other than how fast could I speak in terms of whatever was coming into my mind. Those 19 pages became the template for what ultimately became three books that Paul and I wrote together. That's
1: awesome. So here's the interesting thing. Even our talk today is simply because of choices that you and I have been making our whole lives, right? If you take away any of those choices, there's a good chance we're not talking here today. Am am, am I
2: right? You're absolutely right. And I call that a synchronistic chain. Everything in our lives, at some point, one door opens another door that opens another, it's like branching. And each thing leads to another thing. And we don't really recognize that there's a pattern to it until we look backwards and see that certain things that led to some big decisions that we make in our lives, what kind of career do we want to have? Should we or should we not have a partner in our life? If we do have a partner, do we want to have kids? where do we want to live, uh, you know, all the big decisions that we all get to make, if we could look at our lives backwards, we see there's a pattern to how each thing unfolded. And as you said, you and I were led to each other in a similar way so that we could have this experience today.
1: Steve, I want you to hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more how one action leads to another and how small steps can lead to something ginormous. So we'll be right back.
0: Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com.
2: When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m.
3: Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lori Ann Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's Jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends.
1: And we're back! back! I'm so excited. This, this show is really getting put me pumped. We were talking for a, a minute or two during the commercial break, Stephen. And, you know, I, I, w- I was mentioning to you that sometimes, you know, you get down and you think, oh, my life is the worst, blah, blah, blah. And I think we all go through this. But if you didn't choose and if the path didn't happen the way it did for every single person, you know, you might not have your son. You might not have your daughter in your life. You might not have met your best friend, Joe, or your you know great friend, Carla. It, the the list goes on and on. So, I'll throw it back to you. Please continue with your your story,
2: Jesse. I agree with your observation wholeheartedly, uh, including the obstacles and challenges in our lives. That as we're going through them, uh, sometimes they really do suck, but they're there for a reason. And and once we're through them, we can re- look back in a reflective manner and see. Some of the things that we learned and some of the things that we were able to develop as a result of it, uh, even though they were very difficult. But this particular story that I enjoy telling, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in time. So uh, Paul and I actually published our first book in 2006, and we titled it The Spiritual Dimension of Leadership. Well, most people who write books at some point recognize that they built their knowledge base uh, around so many other people who've helped them and who've contributed to what they're doing. One of the people that helped me was a man named Muska Masten. He was an Israeli with a very unusual name. And Muska was the guy who said, maybe you should go to Harvard in the summer. And he was also always encouraging me to write because he was a consultant and he loved the work I was doing in schools. And he said, you're doing cutting edge work. You need to write. And I used to say to Muska, I'm too busy to write, I'm creating. But he planted the seed that maybe someday I should write. Well, when the book came out in 2006, I wrote an acknowledgement to the role that Muska had played in getting me to think about the fact that I might write someday and getting me to Harvard. Unfortunately, in the interim, Muska had passed away. Oh, wow. Um, He also taught me a word, uh, a Finnish word. It's the only Finnish word I know. Muska Matanta. It means like unbelievable on steroids. Oh, I thought it meant akuna Matata in it's, Hebrew. That, no? I had the same thought. It has the same <laughs> ring <green> to it. <laughs> but he came back from Finland where he had been knighted by the king for his contribution to kinesthesiology, basically to their physical education program that was uh, adopted by the whole country. And he, he showed me his... Uh, top hat and his sword, and he was so excited, and he taught me this word. Well, back to this class that I was invited as the guest lecturer for the day. So I'm telling them about synchronicity. And I mention Muska Mastin, who played a role in me uh, writing, uh, co-authoring this book. And this book was a book that had been uh, read by the students in this class. And so I said, well, I want to share with you what I know about synchronicity. I want to tell you a little bit about, you know, the role Muska played uh, in my life. And I want you to understand how synchronicity works. And I began to explain that. Stephen, I didn't mean
1: to interrupt you, but uh, whenever I'm talking to people, if they have a a name, what I'll do is I'll, I'll Google real quick. What's the definition of a person's name? And so what I did was, while you were talking, I googled what's the definition of muska. Muska is a small triangular amulet in Turkish folklore containing verses from the Quran or other prayers traditionally wrapped in leather, believe to protect from harm or give good luck, so I thought wow. that was kind of interesting. I don't know if you ever had heard that or not. I didn't, and That's I probably it. spelled it wrong, but I still That's thought it. I thought it worked with the show as you were talking because we're talking about think about it. Good luck
2: throws you down the path yeah. of so, good so boy, boy. aptly named. So, I explained to the class, and we included this in our book. Um, I shared a story with them. I said. Along the line in my writing with Paul, I said, I've observed something very interesting in my life. Every time I get a message from the universe, three times, usually within about a four-week period, I think the universe is talking to me. I said, that message could come in a book. It could be in a newspaper. It could be somebody I'm talking to. It could be on TV. It could be a radio program. It could be uh, a, a billboard. But it's the same information that seems to be answering some question that I have been pondering. And the answer just seems to it shows up by the time third third time I realize I'm actually getting the answer to my question.
1: Steve, here's the interesting thing. And I don't mean to say you're preaching to the choir because not everybody believes this, but I've had some interesting moments too. So when I hear you saying this, it's like, I feel like, you know, you're going through in your life, these same epiphanies that I have in mine, And that's probably why you and I are fun, mellow people. Continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: Absolutely. And I think our listeners are going to be Um, realize realize they're having similar experiences because this is really something that's universal that Carl Jung identified. And so then as I shared this with Paul, Paul said, well, you know, in my life, Steve, when something shows up twice, usually within four weeks, I think the universe is talking to me. So I said, Paul, you went to Harvard. I went to Temple. I said, it's three for me and two for you, I'm a little slower on the uptake. And so we had a little laugh, and we said, why don't we call this the pattern of threes or twos? Well, the truth of the matter is somebody gets, many people get it on one. They're thinking about something, the answer comes their way, they're good to go. They don't realize if they don't operate uh, in accord with it, it'll come to them again. And if they still don't pay attention to it, it will come to them again. So we call this the the rule of twos or threes in terms of identifying synchronicities in your life. So now we're back in this classroom. I've explained this whole principle and it's time for a break. So we take a break and you get a chance to chat with the students informally and they're talking to you. And during the break, One of the students hands me a book. It's one of my books. Nice. I open it up and I almost think. Why? Because here's a part of the story I didn't share yet. When the book, The Spiritual Dimension of Leadership, came out in 2006, and I knew that my friend Muska had passed away, I decided to send a copy to his daughter in the Boston area with a, with a handwritten note. And I said, your dad played a role, an important role in me eventually feeling a need to write. And I, I've acknowledged him, here's a copy of the book. And after you read it, pass it along to your two brothers. And I didn't think anything about that. I did that in 2006, now it's 2009. The student in the class hands me the book. I open it up, and it has my note to Muska Mostyn's daughter. Wow, that's chilling. Already signed.
1: It came around that quick. That's crazy. Or that slowly, however you want to look at it. That's still crazy. Came so back. after
2: the break, I said to the class, I've been explaining synchronicity to you. I told you about a guy named Muska. I told you that I acknowledged him in the book. I told him he had a a role to play in us writing this book that I'm here to talk to you about. I sent a copy of the book to his daughter three years ago. His daughter shared it with her two brothers. Now I said, now imagine this. The last brother must have decided, why keep it on a shelf to gather dust? and he must have sent it to a used bookstore in Boston. Somehow that book made it from Boston to Pittsburgh over a three year period. Then somebody from this class picked that very book and brought it to this class for me to sign today. Now, I want you to think about the probability of trying to make that happen in the universe. And I said, if you don't believe in synchronicity now, perhaps you never will.
1: And so- So so Stephen, let's play devil's advocate just for fun real quick. Sure. So a lot of people will say, okay, you take 6 billion people, right? you separate friends from kindergarten or from a young age, right? You're bound to have, it's a small world situation happen all the time, right? People are going to meet up in Vegas on a whim. People are going to meet up on, in foreign countries on a whim. But what you're basically saying is no, even though mathematically that's bound to happen, these things are happening ultimately for a reason. So when these things do happen, it sounds like you firmly believe that that is the universe in some way, shape, or form communicating with you, kind of letting you know that, hey, this is the path
2: that you're supposed to be on? I I do believe that. In fact, it may not just be the path you're supposed to be on. It may be an alert not to take a particular path. In other words, the information that we get is somehow related to information that, A, we're either seeking or that somehow the universe knows that we need in order for us to fulfill our life's purpose or purposes. So these things are, they come our way. And the, the way I look at it, I don't look at this as, a, uh, as fate, meaning this is meant to be no matter what. I look at it more like there's a possibility that's being presented to you. And if you choose it, then that possibility will help you align with your purposes and the things that uh, are possible for you. But you have to say yes. You have to first recognize, yeah, I want to look at that. And, And then you actually have to do something about that. So I don't think it was preordained that I was going to be in Jim's class that day or preordained that I would write that book with Paul. But I think the possibilities of all that occurring were presented in a way that's much more likely than pure chance.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, parents have choices when kids are young, you know, do we get Joey or, or, or Jill, do we get them into dance? Do we get them into art? Do we get them into sports? All right, let's go sports. Do we get them into something intense like wrestling or football, or do we get them into something more individual like maybe tennis, right? And it's kind of interesting to know that every decision that goes into that is going to have a monumental uh, outcome, right? Because if you go into tennis, you're never, ever going to necessarily be down that path that you would have a, as a football player or as an artist or whatever the situation. So the, the Stephen Sokolow that you are now, the Jesse Jameson that I am now, you take out any little movement along the way. And we probably aren't talking right now, right? I mean, the chances. Exactly. Is, exactly. I find, that, I find that really interesting.
2: I do too. And uh, the more I have been aware of this pattern, the more I see it. And so some of our listeners are already very familiar with this pattern. And are sort of nodding their head yes. Others, it might be a kind of a new idea. But my experience is that once they're uh, tuned in to that as a possibility, they'll begin to see it more in their lives because the I'm, pattern is the pattern. I'm glad you mentioned
1: that, Steve. So the reality is you think even if somebody doesn't believe this at all, they're probably just blind to it right now. Do exactly. you have any, we, we have about three minutes before break. Do you have any tips on how a person could may, maybe be more aware or cognizant? Of these potential signals that are out there? Or well, there's something. no
2: question that when they show up, they stand out. They're not just like, you know, if the mailman comes every day and now the mailman comes again, there's nothing different about that. Something is different that at some level, usually it's at a subconscious level, you get a little um, sense, sensation that that has something to do with you that you've been thinking about it or that it might you might find it interesting it just and then you might have that sensation or awareness about a lot of things but how many times does it happen again in a short time frame and a third time in a short t- time frame that's what distinguishes that from my point of view that the universe is really trying to get our attention So could we maybe
1: ask the universe for certain questions that are given, you know, you know, for certain answers and then see what comes back at us. How would you recommend a person that, like I said, maybe doesn't believe in the things that we're throwing out there, maybe maybe wants to
2: test it. I, I love the way your mind works. I really do because our minds are powerful. And so we do a lot in terms of our thought patterns and our intentions. And, we could actually ask the universe a question and see what shows up, because sometimes we have these questions, and they're at a, almost a subliminal level. Like, you know we're not really that focused on them, but we actually, if we have a question that we are focused on, should I move to California? Should I take this job? Should I pursue this relationship?" And you sort of say, to the universe, I'm inviting some signs that they're like uh, pointing me in a, uh, like that, you have this little stop sign, go, no, go, a stop sign that's saying, nah, eh, not so much, or a little go sign saying, go a little further and check it out. We're
1: gonna take a quick break, Stephen, And then when we get back, uh, we're gonna continue this discussion. So we'll be right back. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com.
3: In business, many leaders have a great vision but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: thanks for tuning in to jesse jameson and friends do you have a super short story that you'd like to have jesse read on the show simply email him you ready it's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com and who knows jesse might just read your short story on a future show and now back to jesse jameson and friends
1: so we're back so steven um I have something that's been happening to me since I was little that I thought was kind of interesting. And I just wanted your thoughts on it. When what we're talking about leads me to believe that, you know, we might have an eternal soul and therefore sometimes people can meet each other and they get along great because maybe they've always, maybe their souls have always gotten along well together, so to speak. And I guess what I'm thinking here is when you're all of a sudden thinking about something bigger than yourself, does that kind of create a, like, is, is it possible to be like an atheistic person when you're starting to go down this path? Or does it lead you more to where you believe there might be a creator or something bigger that's, that's bringing us all
2: together? Well, having been investigating spiritual issues for some time, as opposed to religious issues, I think that even if you are an atheist or agnostic, you might be open to exploring the patterns and and leaving open the possibility that these, in fact, are possibilities, not necessarily having to tie that into a religious belief involving a creator, per se, but to believe that um, we live in a universe that may in fact have meaning and meaning, you know, collectively and individually, and that we are an important part of the universe. Um, I actually believe that each of, I, one of the images that I wrote about in one of our books, I said, imagine, I don't know, a thousand piece puzzle, or it could be 10,000 or a million pieces. One of those pieces is you, and you're the only one that has that piece. So the puzzle isn't complete without our piece. And what we do with our piece, we carry that piece. Whether we use it to fit into the larger construct or not is our choice. But we, I think, each have a piece to a larger tapestry, a larger um, puzzle uh, of this pattern of life that is such a mystery. And uh, so, and I think synchronicity is one of those patterns that actually helps us find meaning.
1: But you don't necessarily believe in fate, though. So, you believe all these things happen for a reason, but not necessarily for a reason to an end. Am I correct? Not,
2: not fate per se, but I actually believe that um, we each um, have some unique gifts and some unique things that uh, we need to learn, and that in a given lifetime, and obviously to say that means I think we get more than one, we're here to learn and we're here to share what we have with others. Now that's a, that's a worldview, and I never ever want to impose my worldview on any other person. I respect that there are so many different worldviews, but this is a worldview that is, I find satisfying. And it it works for me and a lot of other people that I talk to. But I recognize there are many other worldviews. So, Stephen, it sounds
1: like you just said you believe somewhat in reincarnation. Are you the same soul during those different lives? In other words, are you viewing it the same way you would throughout time? Or are you a different soul and you're still reincarnated? In other words, yeah, you get a different body, but do you get a different mind and soul as well? What's your thoughts on that?
2: My belief, and there are many writers who've written in depth about these things, is that we're, we're the same soul in different bodies, but that our soul itself is evolving. So we're the same soul in a sense, our energy being, our soul is evolving. And so uh, hopefully it's getting smarter and more conscious and more aware and developing certain capacities uh, as a result of this process. But, uh, and when we're not in a body, we have greater awareness of these patterns of what we've done and what we're trying to do in any given, um, incarnation. Although, um, that I really didn't think we were going to be talking about that, but I'm happy to since, since it came up. Um, And synchronicity plays a role in this because these are almost signals that have been set in motion that we asked to have set in motion so we could remember why we are here.
1: Yeah, I find that fascinating. I really do, Stephen. So the reality is not everybody necessarily agrees with your views. Not everybody necessarily agrees with mine. I don't particularly believe in reincarnation, but I do believe in somewhat of an eternal soul uh, but I don't necessarily believe that it necessarily travels through different, you know, bodies or what have you, you know, you're a bug, you're a, an animal, you're a bird or whatever the situation is. I
2: didn't necessarily mean to go there, but, you know, if there's a part of you that's eternal, how that part of you informs whatever part of you takes material form, there are lots of ways to speculate about that.
1: One time I was at a water park here in Arizona and I had my keys to my car in my little plastic baggie. And instead of putting it in the locker, like smart people, I decided to chance it and take it with me on the water rides. Mm. All of a sudden I lose this thing. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking really down thoughts. Like I'm going to have to leave my car here. Yada, yada. You know, I don't have a spare, you know, just the worst time to lose your keys. But I just thought to myself, where are my keys, you know, and I actually said a little prayer and lo and behold, I ended up walking to a security guard and I said, Hey, do you have a lost and found? And he pulls out this bag. He didn't even have to tell me where the lost and found was. He goes, these are your keys. And I got the keys. And as we're leaving the water park, all of a sudden I'm feeling almost like an instant high, because instead of being the lowest of lows, I'm you know, feeling great. And I look and there's this car and it's got this license plate and it says, you got to (laughs) believe. And and so I get these little signals and I tell my friends, you know, my life is filled with these really bizarre, crazy moments that make me just feel like there's somebody out there looking over me or what have you. So, you know, when these things happen to me, it just gets me thinking on a cosmic, you know, heavenly, you know, divine level. And then for other people, they say, "Hey, there's you know millions of people; these things are going are happening every day. It would be crazy if coincidences didn't happen." You know, I'm sure you've heard that argument as well. You know, I certainly have.
2: Um, and uh, there are people who believe that when our loved ones pass on into an energy form, that they can play the kind of role that you're describing and helping you find your keys, that who are these invisible helpers who help us? Uh, You know, I've had several theories about how this happens. One is that somebody who we've had a strong connection with is in a position to help us energetically. There's another possibility that deals with... um, if. I'll leave it at that. There are lots of possibilities for how these things... Might uh, occur in the universe. One of which, for people that don't want to believe in uh, supernatural kinds of things or metaphysical things, uh, is to take the whole thing at an energetic level. Because we are vibrating. Every cell in our body is vibrating, every atom in our body is vibrating. Even things that look like they're solid are vibrating. And all those vibrations are sending out signals because that's what vibrations do.
1: My ex-girlfriend, she used to call me the human vibrator. It's bizarre how these things all kind of work uh, interchangeably. uh no i i I find this so incredible and stuff so the main thing is is where do we take it from here is this one of those things that you do you have talks with with the the nieces and the nephews the sons and daughters the the grandchildren or is this something that everybody has to kind of
2: come to on their own well i talk to it to talk about these kinds of things with anyone who who has an interest you know none of us wants to be a bore and talk about things that people have no interest in. But if our grandchildren or cousins or siblings or friends have an interest, then we can exchange our ideas about these things. And that's how the ripples synergistically gain power and um, begin to go from person to person, from group to group, through these uh, energetic patterns
1: that are all around
2: us. Are you giving an
1: argument for why we shouldn't ever try to come up with a time machine? Because if somebody ever does come up with a time machine, they're gonna destroy everybody's ripple,
2: aren't they? Oh, it's so interesting that you would raise that. I just read a book uh, called Dark Matter that is exactly about that topic. Um, And what happens if you could um, pursue an alternate path, um, and what are the ripple effects of that occurring? Um, we, that, ha- we have so many forks in the road.
1: You know what I mean. And then just to know that if you throw in a time traveler in there, <laughs> that can just, its kind of like throwing, you know, a, a big ball of jacks out there, and then watching them
2: all. Well, like, to according go. to Yogi Berra, if you come to a fork in the road, take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true you're going to need
2: a utensil you're going to, need to eat it need to eat sometime one right? way or another you're going to take one one path or the other and we'll leave it to other writers to see what those ripple effects are and whether there are um uh, we live in something called a multiverse i was just I, I, I you're giving me chills because i was
1: thinking multiverse five seconds before you said it because i was thinking okay we're talking about all these little forks in the road the multiverse dictates that all those forks are taken, right? In different yes. multiverses. So right now you and I are talking uh, or I'm talking mm-hmm. now and you're listening in another universe, you might be talking and I might be listening, right? And we might be having the same talk and every, every I, option I, is actually occurring, right? And
2: there are some serious scientists uh, like Brian Green and others who've written uh, books about the multiverse and why in terms of our laws of physics, they're completely plausible yet to have firm proof, but there's nothing in the mathematics that denies those possibilities.
1: Yeah. It's just like if you were to go anywhere else in the solar system, right? Mm-hmm. From that point, you know, that there's aliens out there. Cause you know, if this little planet called earth with these human beings are right. But when you live on earth, you're not so sure about everywhere else. But I have a feeling feeling there are aliens out there. What do you think? Do you believe in the Drake equation that there's some other beings out there?
2: Well, um, I have a friend who lives in Washougal, Washington. And he was telling me about his experience watching alien craft go into a mountain. And what's he, what's he drinking, Stephen? Come yeah, on well, I said something <laughs> like that. He said, YouTube, Adams Mountain in Washington State, and you can watch videos of what he has seen. I said to him, next time I'm visiting you, I would like to have the experience myself. So next time I visited him, We took a a ride about one hour from his home, and once a week, several hundred people sit in an open field with uh, night vision goggles and watch these unexplained aerial phenomena. And I got to see it for myself. What did you think when you saw it? Were you thinking
1: uh, USA Armed Forces, or were you thinking- I was thinking, I don't
2: have an explanation, but clearly I'm seeing spheres in formation moving in patterns that I have never seen other than in some computer-generated graphic you know, in a movie, and I'm watching it in real time. Where they were created uh, and exactly what they're doing was beyond what I could personally observe in the moment, but I did observe something that was... Uh, beyond what we normally see. We've got about two minutes left. Tell us
1: the name of a couple of your latest books and where we can find them. And if you would share your website with our our audience as well, Stephen.
2: Oh, thank you. So that first book was The Spiritual Dimension of Leadership in 2006. Then we wrote uh, The Wise Leader uh, a number of years later. And then after that, we wrote The Empowering Leader, so, there are three of them that are out there. They're available on Amazon or our website, which is the Center for Empowered leadership, uh, dot com. And uh, we will write one more book, I think, before we're through. And uh, we enjoy writing about the um, underlying values that we think promote wise and effective leadership. So, uh, I, it doesn't sound that as though this is true from our dialogue, but I'm a pretty practical guy. I was a superintendent of schools for more than 25 years, and you have to be pretty practical. So ultimately, I want the things I write about to be useful. Superintendent Sokolov is crazy. So uh, <laughs> Stephen,
1: I, I want to thank you for coming on, Jesse, Jameson, and friends. Do you think in the future we can have you come back on and share some more stories? I would that? like that
2: because I had other sh- stories to share, but... You're so engaging, and this is so uh, this is a lot of fun. So sure, I would be delighted to.
1: Well, the number one thing I like is just for my audience to kind of think, and I love I love shows on TV that make people think. And I feel like the talk today with you and you sharing your story and how things kind of come all all around, right? Come full circle. I think that stuff is really fascinating. I think there's something really kind of magical about this world we live in, Stephen. So.
2: Thank you for inviting me, Jesse, and, and the opportunity to have dialogue with you and, and your, our listeners. Yeah, and for
1: everybody listening, please tune in again next week to Jesse Jameson and Friends. We'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.